0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bladed Apples, a horror podcast, dropping your trick-or-treat bag every week. Yep. And this past week, it was Dia de los Muertos on uh, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, That is correct. I I think technically, do you celebrate on the second day? Are you supposed to celebrate on November 2nd?
1: I think it's like the the night of the first is when you're supposed to like visit the cemeteries and stuff. And then I think the I don't know though. Like I don't want to tell you wrong. Well yeah,
0: we're we're both honky, so
1: yeah, we are whiter than sour cream. Like
0: <laughs> so. Uh and because of that, we decided to <laughs> Jesus Christ. We decided to review an El Santo film. Mm-hmm. Because I came up with the idea of, hey, we need to do a Mexican film, Mexican horror film, in time for for, Deo de De los Muertos. And I says, it can either be a Santo film, or it can be Guillermo del Toro's directorial debut, Kronos. And now I'm kicking myself in the fucking balls, because we should have done fucking Kronos. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Out of all the Mexican horror movies it could have done, we not only chose an El Santo film, we chose one of the more boring El Santo films. I, Two here's of them. The thing. Two okay. of them. Again, though, I
1: feel as though if this movie was not dubbed, it would have been way more tolerable. Probably. Because the dubbing is so fucking god-awful by the studio who's remaking them.
0: Yeah, yeah, whoever's putting out the, I don't know if it's a re-release on DVD, I imagine, or Blu-ray, so um, no, it must be one of the cult preservation companies. Yeah. They are re-releasing them, but it doesn't have the subtitles, which would be the best way to watch it, but yep. it's really poor dubbing, but we'll get into that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> we're going to do that. Yeah. And then we're going to have a video game, mm-hmm. and we're going to have a story, mm-hmm. and uh Yeah. That'll be the that'll be the episode. Before all that, what's been going on? Oh, not much. Like you said earlier,
1: uh work. <laughs> Pretty much it. Yes. You know, now that the uh you know we're done with all the Halloween stuff that we could do mm-hmm. at the time. And you know, we're uh back on uh life is boring and sucks mode instead of halloween mode
0: yeah i just realized i'm happy i went into my diary on letterbox because i'm like oh no there's some stuff i watched this week it reminded me jesus christ monday was halloween we haven't recorded episodes since halloween passed how was your halloween
1: oh yeah that's a good point it was uh it was fine you know we went and saw off, uh yeah, you know, uh Paige's best friend, um, uh, before she moved away. So we just kinda hung out there and had a bonfire and told ghost stories.
0: Nice. That's cool. yeah. It was a classic Halloween. Yeah. how that was That's, yours. Um, I mean Halloween night, I it was a work night, so I just stayed home and drank pumpkin beers and watched a little movie marathon. Did Night of the Demons. I did um Night of the Demons. Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Scary movie. Not, not the spoof scary movie. Not the one from the right. early 90s film called Scary Movie. That isn't very good. And um, topped off with... They, had, they were running all the Halloween movies back-to-back on Shudder. So, Halloween, Halloween 4, and then Halloween 5. But I fell asleep during 4 and 5, and I woke up and 5 was still playing. But that's kind of all I did. Now, that Saturday... I did go to a film festival here in Savannah. That's right. That's right. And that was super awesome. That was TerraVision Fright Fest 2022. Uh, TerraVision is a local store here. Um, it's a horror shop owned by the same guy that owns Grayface Museum and Grayface Records here in town, Lodge of Soros. But TerraVision is also a record label they have that puts out horror vinyl. Like Waxwork or Mondo or whoever, you know. But they put out more. They put out like a vinyl of elves <laughs> or things, you know. <laughs> it's like movies that we enjoy because they're terrible, right? Right. But TerrorVision put out this film festival. It was on the 29th, so that's kind of my Halloween thing I did. And it was uh, 30 bucks, and it was six movies. It was 2 p.m. till right up just after midnight. Well, then you
1: got those really cool interviews and stuff like that's...
0: Yeah, with with each movie, there was a different Q&A. So I'll go through the six movies as best as I can that they did. The first movie was May, which we've talked about before that you saw recently. Yeah, And I never saw. I've talked a a few episodes ago how Lucky McKee is kind of a blind spot in my filmography. My film knowledge, rather. But I watched May for the first time. I loved it. (laughs) And there was a Skype or... Zoom Q&A with Lucky McKee after the film. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Then they showed Sledgehammer. Hell yeah. David A. Pryor's Sledgehammer, which if the viewers don't know what that is, that is a, uh, one of the early straight-to-video, or shot-on-video, rather, movies put up by David A. Pryor, uh, who later on directed movies like Deadly Prey and Killer Workout. And the movie's awful, but let me tell you, if you ever get a chance to watch it on a big screen and uh, with a crowd, it makes it so much better. People are just laughing the whole time. It makes the movie way fun. And then they had a Q and A Q&A with uh, Brad Henderson from Vinegar Syndrome, who me and Blaze talked to uh, last Spooky or uh, at Spooky in December. Uh, he, he's a pretty cool guy. Uh, he's he's is, is that your Transformer? What? Your transformer? Are you holding a transformer? How did you know? Because <laughs> I can see it in your hand. Really? My hand weren't even near the camera. It was, it was. You were doing this at the end of. You were trying to show it to me. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I was just spinning it around in my hand. Oh. Um, yeah, but Brad's cool. Um, he was but helping yeah, so a, lot. Did the transformer. <laughs> a lot. A lot of the a lot of the event. Um, and uh, the Q and A just talking about how much you like shot of video stuff, and then after that they showed Waxwork, which I've never seen before. It's been on my, it's been on my to watch list for a long time. And let me tell you, have you seen Waxwork? Oh yeah, Waxwork is awesome.
1: <laughs> that is a really good movie.
0: <laughs> waxwork is fucking awesome. There's no way that Josh Whedon and uh, uh, Jesus Christ, I can't remember the director's name right now. Is it Alex Garland? No, it's Alex Garland. Ah, uh, fuck. come to me a little bit. Uh, the director of Cabin in the Woods were not fucking influenced by wax work. There's no fucking way. Especially the last 20 minutes of wax work. It's almost identical to Cabin in the Woods. Uh, and then there was a Q&A with the composer of the film after that. Then it was the Southeastern premiere of Out There Halloween Megatape, which is the sequel to WNUF Halloween Special. How was that? It was really funny. Okay. Like it's not scary at all, it's just, it's just a fun, it's a funny, like, it's basically a throwback to uh, 90s, sh- like, tape, like, whenever you just tape things on your VCR of just, like, TV, so it has, like, all the fake commercials in it, and there's, like, mm-hmm. a generic yeah, talk. First one was. Yeah, it's, it's basically the same thing, uh, I didn't even see the first one. But um, I really love the second one. It's really fun. I thought it was really good. It's, it's not scary at all. It's just really funny. And uh, it played really well with the crowd. And then after that, um, Crystal Martino, the director, there's a Q&A with him. Also, his wife was the host all night, and she also stars in Out There Halloween Mega Tape. So that was pretty cool. And then the finale of the night was it showed uh, Satanus, the Devil's Mass. Presented by Anton LaVey's grandson, Stanton LaVey. And we didn't get through the whole movie. Uh, I think that the theater that was hosting it is part of like one of the um, museums here. I think that they were trying to shut down and we're running out, uh, overtime. So he kind of like just talked over the movie after a while. And uh, it's a documentary by Anton LaVey. And, I mean, it just reminds me <laughs> It just always reminds me of that episode of Metalocalypse. <laughs> Whenever, after the near-death experience, Murderface finds religion, or he's trying to find yeah. religion, They I'll go to the Church of Satan. And then, like, after a while, there's, like, this fucking sucks. Let's just go to the bar. <laughs> this is all the same bullshit. <laughs>
1: the, well, the thing is, like, it's... Like, LeVay and Satanism is pretty much just, mm. hey, we're... Edgy atheists,
0: <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. Then so. you watch like interviews, Antalave. It's it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like the the West Coast equivalent of like John Waters, like. <laughs> John Waters crew of <laughs> just like he has these like weirdos that are just like, you know, in his occult and stuff like that. It's like, oh, it's cool to masturbate and have sex and stuff. Jesus won't let us do that, but we're gonna do it with each other. I'm like, have fun with that, because you're all ugly as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. But no, it was it was a fun night though. Terravision put on a great a great event. I don't know if this is the first time they've done this done this marathon but if it was it was really well handled and uh it's really fun there were some booths there also and i like how all the q a's and all the guests were super nice there's some awesome vegan tacos they had there; really good
1: oh yeah you showed me the picture
0: yeah but speaking of 90s on tape did you get a chance to watch vhs
1: 99
0: yeah okay well let me tell you about vhs 99.
1: i haven't heard great things <laughs>
0: Yeah. So VHS 99 is the new entry into the VHS series. Of course it is set in 99 and there's nobody really of note note, but, uh, that's that direct any of the segments. But I mean, I think that's normal with most of the VHS movies that come out, usually a bunch of the creators and ones are just up and coming. Right. Um, yeah, there's only two good segments in VHS-99. <laughs>
1: uh, I had to fucking latch this motherfucker. He's
0: being a you, fucking did, jerk. Did you... <laughs> your little dog? Yeah. Lucha's here on the show, everybody, because he's doing something.
1: Oh, he's just fucking... He's like addicted to biting Mina's ankles while she walks.
0: <laughs> Who's your other dog?
1: Yes. Yeah. It's not Mina's, an, Mina's an old sweetie. He's a little bastard.
0: Did you hear from the people you, that you talked to about VHS 99? Did they say what segments they did like on it?
1: Uh, they actually said they didn't like any of them.
0: <laughs> oh, I like two of them. And the second one won't come as a surprise. I think only two of these. Only two of these segments are worth saving any of the movie. And one is called uh, Suicide. Not Suicide Pact. Uh, shit. Basically, the story is, I think it's the second story in the movie. And that really, also, this one's weird because it doesn't really have, like, a connector story. Like, the connector in between the movies are, is this guy just playing with little... Green army men soldiers and making little like stop motion movies and they're like funny. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, but the second one is really good. Uh, let me look it up because I want to give credit. Uh, actually, thankfully my letterboxd open where I have my review, <laughs> so I can just so I can just pull it up. Um, or can I? Did I not log it? <laughs> I don't think I don't think my uh I don't think my review took that sucks. <laughs> Let's see. Uh this but the um the story is about this girl who is trying to join a sorority. It's called Suicide Bid. She's trying to join a sorority. These girls are like, oh yeah, you can choose our sorority. She only put in for one. She only put in for one sorority. And of course, all these girls are complete fucking cons, <laughs> and and they bury her alive because apparently that's like the test, you know. Is burying somebody, somebody,
1: somebody alive? There. <laughs> <laughs> what is Very that alive. testing? Like, huh? What is that testing?
0: Well, she gets stuck under there, and she has a camera down there with her. First of all, I hate—I I don't like it. Buried. Oh, what? What is it? Yeah, it, I mean, it, just a hazing. It's hazing. <laughs> But, apparently, a girl allegedly tried to join the sorority a long time ago, and she got buried alive and she died, and she's still <clears> under <throat> the ground or whatever, and so on and so forth. And it kind of takes a very tells from the crypt kind of stance uh, or goes it very tells a, uh, tells from the crypt kind of ending uh, to the whole thing, or feels very much like creep show by the end of it, which I really like. Um, then you have to sit through two pretty lame, Segments after that. Now, also, the first segment wasn't very good either. Actually, had everything I don't like about found footage. Okay. <laughs> um, but the last, I do love the last segment of the movie. And we've talked about the the this couple a couple times on the show now over the last few episodes. And this is definitely a one-two punch for them. It, but that's Vanessa and Joseph Winter. They have a oh, segment.
1: the ones who did the death streaming.
0: Yes, they did a uh, dead Yeah, which I loved. Love Deadstream. Yeah, it's great. I love that the the segment got put out so close to the movie because I guess from an interview I listened to with them, is that they were working on the segment before they did Deadstream. So that's why they're released really so close to each other. But this definitely one-two punch for them. I think it's a really fun segment. It it has to do with uh, it's New Year's Eve and joseph Winter is the star of this also and him and his buddy are trying to do some documentary about these witches trying to summon a demon <laughs> uh but at first they summon the wrong demon and then when they try to send the demon back uh, it drags both of them into hell and they have nine minutes to get back to real world to, to find to find the demon that was supposed to get uh brought so, to earth they had to find the Within the nine minutes of them trying to conjure it so they can grab on the demon and come back to the real world. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's really fun, I think. And it has that kind of humor that Deadstream had also, and it's fun. And I like the use of monsters and kind of the creativity from Vanessa and Joseph Winter. So I'm all on board for them doing whatever the fuck they want to do at this point. I really like them as a creative team. I thought Deadstream was super fun, I think, to help. Oh, it add. is. Yeah. To hell and back is really fun also. And also, the end credits of the movie? Danzig. Well, for what? For, for VHS 99. What did the, he do? The end credits song is Long Way Back from Hell. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, VHS 99. Not very good, but just watch those two segments. Watch Suicide yeah. Bid and watch To Hell and Back. And don't watch any of the other stuff.
1: So the second and the last one. Yes. Okay. Um, what else? Um, I'm almost done with Cabinet of Curiosity.
0: Yeah, same here. I'm on. I love I'm it. The Rupert Grant one, the one starring Rupert Grant, who plays Ron Weasley on Harry Potter.
1: Oh no, I haven't. I'm not at that one yet.
0: It's it's an adaptation of the H- H.P. Lovecraft. Well, I mean, story. a lot
1: of these are H.P. Yeah.
0: Lovecraft yeah. adaptations. This is another one. That's based off The Witch's House.
1: Yeah, they're just. I don't know. But I mean, it's Guillermo del Toro, and you already know he loves all that Lovecraft shit. So.
0: Did you watch the other H.P. Lovecraft adaptation they have in this? And that's a cool thing. I do like how every short story is an adaptation of a short story, every episode is an adaptation of it. Huh? Which one? All of them. All of them are adaptations of... We're right. No, oh. I know that. Oh, 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 of uh, Pittman's... Pittman's uh... Oh, yeah. The paintings. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. I just
0: Talk watched that one. Yeah. Well, I just love Crispin Glover. <laughs> he's so good in it. <laughs> he's so good. Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah, he's very good at it. Um, no, I'm really liking it. I, I think I got three episodes to go. I'm, I'm more excited about the last two episodes. That's what I'm really excited for. Because I know I one is... Which one?
1: Oh, I was what about was to say it?
0: one of them. Fuck. <laughs> one the, all right, one of the last ones is directed by Panos Cosmatos, and that's the one that everybody's talking about. And a very I love Panos Cosmados because I love Mandy.
1: <laughs> right.
0: And uh, and then I forgot who, who directed the other last one, but it's somebody else I really liked. But uh which one did you which one did you love?
1: The second one.
0: Uh... oh, rats, the the rat yeah. one? Yeah, okay. that's a cool one. Yeah, I, I, like
1: I just I love the aesthetic of it. I'm like, he just fucking falls into an underground tunnel of Cthulian rats. Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck?
0: Yeah, I like uh, I like the one after that with the alien also. Oh yeah, that one was good. The autopsy is really good. That was That's really very good. body horror. That one's super graphic.
1: What's the name? <laughs> what is the the man's name? the The act main
0: actor. In what the autopsy? Yeah. F. Murray Abraham.
1: Yeah, he was fucking great. I've seen him in other shit. I just can't recall.
0: He has got small roles in a lot of things. He's uh, he's very good. And also, I like the Lily Ann one. Lily Ann who directed "A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night." She did the she did the one with uh with uh Dan Stevens is in it, which you talked about him recently. Yeah, yeah. uh,
1: Wait the the glow one
0: yeah the makeup one it's it's, it's kind I of like the stealth may,
1: i thought it was by emily something
0: no lily uh, Armapore.
1: weird uh, maybe the story was written by
0: oh yeah like, the story is based off of a web comic series written yeah by, that's right okay yeah, that's... Emily, uh i can't remember her name yeah i never i never read it but i'm interested in after watching that segment
1: yeah that was really good and i am yeah. curious about that now too I,
0: I think that's, like, the first one that has a distinct feel of a director, though. That's the one thing I don't like about Cabin Curiosities is that all, yeah. the, all the episodes feel kind of, like, the same. But that's, like, the first one I've seen so far that has a distinct personality of its
1: own. Well, yeah, it's totally different. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's like the husband is, like,
0: yeah, He's so he cares. Yeah. <laughs> I felt, I kind of felt bad for him though. Oh, yeah, in a way. He's just a
1: simple dude, but it's like he also knows how to like say the wrong thing. Like,
0: yeah, absolutely. And we get Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens doing a really strange accent.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie though. I loved it.
0: Yeah, no, I love it also. Uh, Yeah, I got a couple episodes to go also. I think we're right around the same place though. Dan Stevens is
1: English, isn't he?
0: Yeah, Dan Stevens is. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So. Yeah. And it's – I like it a lot. I like how gothic it is. And I, I love how I love how it looks like Guillermo del Toro's, like, designs. And, like, his – it feels yeah. like Guillermo del Toro's, like, monster designs that he draws up and things. And but definitely has that feeling. You know have a good just,
1: point about the, that one having a personality because the other ones are all, like, in the same time period. They're all, you know – yeah. Very Cthulian focused. And that one was just out of left field, you know, it was unrelated to all of that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's why I'm interested in those last two segments that are from like more well-known because the others, the other episodes are from directors that are, don't have a real distinct style within their movies. Like they all kind of put a horror movies or episodes of TV shows, but like Lillian Armapore has a very distinct voice because a girl walks home alone at night is, uh, is a very distinctly made film. She's very creative. And that's why I'm really interested in watching the Pandas Cosmatos episode as well, because he has a very distinct vision yeah. as well. Um, but no, I really like, um, let's see if I can find out who did the other one while we're talking though. Um, speaking of TV, something is coming back. Well, first of all, because um, this little segue into it, you started uh, finally finishing up or blah, blah, are finally finishing up the first season of Chucky, right?
1: I am, and I'm really enjoying it because it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs>
0: it's so good. It's, it's so, it's fucking
1: so good. stupid and funny at the same time. And also, that kid's mom is like the worst fucking police officer <laughs> on the face of the planet. Like, she just randomly arrests people. It's like, what proof do you have? I think so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but I love I love the kids' like relationships with each other, like how everybody oh, yeah. working. I like her son a lot in the, uh, in the show. Oh yeah, the the other segment, uh, the eighth episode of Cabinet Curiosities is directed by Jennifer Kent, who directed Boba uh, Duke and the Nightingale. So she's a very distinct director also. That's why I'm very interested in seeing what Panos Cosmatos and Jennifer Kent's episodes are. I'm really excited to watch those through the last two I have after this one I'm currently on. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, Chucky's really fun. And, and I just yesterday and the day before I'm all Sorry. caught up on, on season two.
1: Oh, you already watched it all? Uh,
0: there's only five episodes out right now.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> but I'm
0: all caught up on season two. It's really, really good. Uh, did you finish the first season?
1: Uh, no, I was going to finish it uh, the day before yesterday, but I forgot Crown Jewel was this weekend, so I had yeah, to watch God. that. Right. And uh, that was fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, Chucky season two is really good. I'm not going to spoil anything about it because it may spoil the ending of the first, the first season, Probably. but um, it does take place in a Catholic school. And Devon Sawa is back as a different character. Jesus, OK. fine. They really like him. Well, who doesn't? Devin Sawa' is awesome. I love how I love how he's kind of been having a comeback recently. he's He's great. but uh, there there is a joke, nodding because if anybody's watched the first season of Chucky, Devon Sawa plays Twin Brothers. He plays the main character's dad who gets killed in like the first episode, and they plays his uncle as well. Um. Uh, but he is in this mo- in this season as the head priest at this Catholic school, and the main characters even like he reminds me a lot of my dad. <laughs> so they bring they they bring uh, knowledge to it. It's all very meta. It's all very silly, and and uh, I, I just love that Don Mancini has been shepherding this series ever since the first movie. He's written all the Chucky films except for the reboot, and he directed. The last three movies, and he's the executive producer and creator and writer and director of a lot of the episodes of this show. So I like how Chucky has such a consistent feel throughout the whole film and TV series because it's all one person has been doing everything.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is, and you know, unlike a lot of like slasher and kind of movies, like
0: none of the Chucky
1: or Child's Play movies have ever been that bad.
0: No, no. And I think that's also. Thanks to such a strong, uh, strong on Brad Dorff's part, like a strong, uh, his personification of Chucky and how he acts as him. There's something about it that is, you know, should be more cheesy and is cheesy. But you just love Brad Dorff as that character. (laughs) His one-liners, like like Freddy Krueger or something, right?
1: (laughs) Right. It's like, no offense to Mark Hamill but it's not the same.
0: Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, just the the dark humor throughout all those films and how weird they always get, and also the gender politics, as Don Mancini is.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: He's gay. There's a lot of gay politics in, in this show really as like well. I like
1: how he mentions his son in it, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: mentions his son.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Glenn or Glenda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, season two is very good. But speaking of gay horror correctors, gay horror creators that have TV shows, Brian Fuller has a new project. Brian Fuller, who was a creator and showrunner of Hannibal, and he oh, was also a writer of Star Trek Voyager for a long time. And he also <laughs> he also I is the Voyager. head of Star Trek Discovery. What? <laughs> Brian Fuller is coming out with a new Friday 13th show. No. Did you know Brian Fuller has all that history in Star Trek?
1: Fucking no. Like how does he know how Star Trek works and then make it helps with Discovery?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Did you like Voyager? Yes. I never really I like literally
1: Discovery. everything but Discovery.
0: Uh, yeah. You you are a huge huge Trekkie. <laughs> Uh, Brian Fuller, he wrote a couple episodes season five of Deep Deep Space Nine, and then uh, he was a writer from season four to season seven and story editor for season four to season five and executive story editor and co-producer, 81 episodes in total of Star Trek Voyager for 97-2001, and then he did the first season of Dead Like Me. And then he did a couple seasons of Heroes. He was one of the uh, writers and the consulting producers, executive producers on that, until eventually he did Hannibal, which I like Hannibal, even though it gets very silly to where I had to stop watching it. <laughs> but I kind of yeah, like how we I, I it get into
1: Hannibal. It just wasn't my thing.
0: It took me a couple times to get into it. Um, he also was the co-developer, writer, and executive producer for American Gods more recently. And uh, speaking of which uh sandman season two is greenlit. no green creations, <laughs> he also did that that uh mockingbird lane he was the one that brought back the monsters back in like 2012 with that hour-long special that did not get greenlit. that wasn't very good where he tried to make the monsters modern yeah yeah uh and they just started trek discovery but he's doing a new show called crystal lake I like Brian Fuller. I like him in interviews. He seems like a very, very nice guy, but...
1: I just... Honestly, it hurt me when you said he wrote wrote on Voyager. I'm like, why? Like, it's got to be the director, man. The director has to just be fucking everything up.
0: I think the thing with Discovery is it has to do with Alex Kurtzman being the guy that's running everything.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying. No, he's not a director, but...
0: No, Alex Kurtzman is the one that's been putting all these Star Trek shows together for uh, – it's not Peacock, is it? Uh, what is it Oh, it's on Paramount now? Yeah. What was it on originally? It was on something else before that, but then it went under. The streaming service went under. CBS. CBS, that's right. Probably because of Paramount, Paramount. CBS. Yeah. But, yeah, Brian Fuller. Hannibal was good, and I like Brian Fuller. I'm interested what he's going to do with Crystal Lake. Um, I think, is it going to be following Pamela Voorhees, I guess, since it's a prequel series?
1: And I'm fine with that. Like, please just if, don't do what Discovery does and bake it like, what's this episode about? Well, this person's going to have like a 30-minute teary soliloquy, uh, literally about nothing. Yeah. And then it's going to be like, hey, here's some bullshit science that we didn't even try to think of a backstory for. <laughs> somebody dies, big explosions, soliloquy, end episode. Like,
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Like, it's like, oh, and they're all connecting episodes, which takes, like, that's the beautiful thing about Star Trek is because you could watch most of Star Trek without watching anything else. Like you might like miss a couple characters, but the stories are completely different every time, which makes it more fun. But
0: yeah, because it's just about these characters instead of being an overarching story, it's just about these characters that have different personalities and some different ideologies dealing with ideological and social messages.
1: Exactly. And each person kind of- in a different environment than usual. And then you get this, which is like, no, they're all the same.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's all very much more about, like, being grim and gritty and these characters all doing this and stuff. It's more about being like, hey, here's the problem that we deal with in society. And in a future where where everybody gets along or should be, whenever we're presented with something that is more closer to how things used to be, how do they handle the situations? (laughs) You know, how would... How would this become something ideologically within their universe? Right? Yeah. Now this like it, they
1: turned it into a cheap action show. That's what Yeah. That's the
0: problem. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. But Brian Fuller's doing this. I like Hannibal. I think I stopped watching Hannibal during season one whenever there's. So it kind of turns into villain of the week for a little while whenever there's a serial killer. First of all, what a city they're in has like a, Billion serial killers, but <laughs> there's an episode wherever there's a serial killer going around turning, uh, he's, he's a cello player and he's turning people's, uh, vocal cords and organs into cello strings.
1: That's and,
0: and one of Hannibal's patients, because, you know, he's still a practicing psychiatrist at this point, uh, who's played by uh, Dan Fogler. <laughs> um, Dan Vogelberg <laughs> <laughs> figures out figures out that Hannibal Hannibal is a serial killer and also figures out that this other guy is a serial killer. And he introduces them together. And Hannibal immediately cracks Dan's neck, just like snaps his neck, and they're like, All right, there can only be one of us. And then him and this serial killer Kung Fu fight while the serial killer is using his cello strings like a whip (laughs) and i'm just like all right hannibal i can't do this anymore all right i'm done i gotta take a break from you but i do love i do love how how gay they make the relationship between hannibal and uh uh will graham i do like all that stuff and you know of course from brian fuller that's why i like it's also very reminiscent of movie i just rewatched recently called the hunger um It's very influential. The David Bowie series. Huh?
1: The David Bowie vampire. David
0: David Bowie. I love that
1: movie. It's been a while since I watched it.
0: Yeah, but it's very influential on that show. So I'm interested in Crystal Lake and kind of, you know, what Brian Fuller does without working with a horror property instead of Star Trek. Kind of going back and doing that. Yeah. And also, I think what the, mo- the most important thing that we didn't mention, why this is so interesting, is that this is the first Friday the 13th thing, other than the video game, which is made completely independent. Since 07? Of the studio. Huh? Since 07? Uh, oh, 09. Oh, okay. 09 yeah. is when the remake came out. Yeah, so 13 years since we got our Friday the 13th movie or TV show or anything other than the video game, which is made independent of the studio. Yeah. First, like, official tie-in or anything. What would the fright, because we talked about an early episode, the the rights have been in limbo for a while. Yeah. So this is pretty exciting to see that they're trying something new. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it.
1: But, well, you ready for the main topic?
0: Not really. (laughs) (laughs) He's got it. You got this. All right. Yeah, I guess that brings us to our topic today and going to trailer time.
1: Trailer time. How do you say trailer time in Spanish?
0: (laughs) Trailer time. I have deciphered it, and to my surprise, it indicates the place where none of the place where the proud Apache race built their incredible empire. Santo, in the revenge of the Aztec mummy. She was destined to die since she was born, in the name of Sukul. We were fatally discovered by the great priest, who cursed us for our sacrilegious act. The woman I loved was sacrificed by the great priest, was led as a prisoner through the jungle on a grueling journey that lasted several moons where I was to be buried alive in the funerary crypt. Uh, And what's your plan, Professor Romero? Well, to organize an expedition with the specific goal of locating the tomb. I have gathered you because I believe you are... the right people to carry out this project. We understand that you are the only guide that can take us, uh, to the place we wish to explore. But I refuse to go with you. But our interest is purely scientific, sir. Mao son. Once our
1: expedition is over, we promise to take care of the child's education.
0: I believe we are finally in the center of the mountain. I found him. I found him. It's Nunuk, the great Apache prince. The white man must not disturb the peace of the great Nunuk. All right. I don't know if you guys could even understand what's being said in that trailer. I don't know what trailer we used, but I'm pretty Uh, sure it was in Spanish.
1: (laughs) good point. I didn't think about that. (laughs) They're probably all in Spanish. So uh, to our Spanish-speaking audience... You're welcome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if we did find the dub, it's probably very bad.
1: Oh, it's going to be horrible if we found the dub.
0: Because this is probably from the Blu ray release or DVD release, whichever one this, whichever one that what we watch is a rip of. To be, I don't know who you found. <laughs> like, yeah, so we're talking Santo and the Vengeance of the Mummy from 1971, but we are also going to kind of be talking about santo and blue demon versus Dragon and the wolfman because we both watched that as well both were like oh no this movie's too thin i don't think we'll be able to make an episode of it let's watch a different santo film and then somehow it was even thinner
1: <laughs> well the thing is like i don't know like it, it's one of those movies where it's like you know you get somebody that's famous in the, in the culture and put it out and it's like, you know, Hulk Hogan or The Rock or, yeah. like, don't get me wrong The Rock is definitely the most accomplished of the acting wrestlers True. or John Cena even mm-hmm. but, uh back in the day it was, like, the same way you'd advertise, like, cereal boxes and shit like that, you'd just be like, oh, we're gonna get this guy in this movie and advertise it like, uh, as I had told you about uh the French word for movies that are so bad they're good or the genre, they call it Nanara. Mm. Um, they even have sections based off specific people. So they have a Santo section. They have a Hulk Hogan section. They have a Mr. T section. <laughs> they they just have sections all these people that I don't know. Like it seemed to be a really common practice, but I think like it was really first with luchadores that you notice it.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole idea of having somebody that was a personality more than an actor that they try to hang a franchise or movie on. So take a yeah. wrestler and hanging it on them. or having a personality of somebody that even when they were acting like, let's say, Mr. T acting in a show like a team where he's B.A. Baracus. But well, he's just Mr. T. Yeah. <laughs> you know? People didn't call him B.A. Baracus. He's fucking Mr. T.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: pretty much. Because that's all Mr. T ever is, is Mr. T. Um, But the thing about Santo, what kind of sets him apart from people like Hulk Hogan or Mr. T or, you know, a personality like that, is that Santo at some point, for anybody that doesn't know, first of all, El Santo was a luchador
1: in Mexico. Not a luchador.
0: like The luchador. luchador. (laughs) Uh, He was a not only a wrestler, but he was a hero and his persona became so big that it hit a folk hero level because of all these movies he was in along with his acting career, along with this persona that he had and the mystery that came with it of being a luchador, he became larger than life. He became larger than just being a wrestler. He became a Mexican folk hero. There's sort of statue of him in Mexico
1: yeah. Like, and for listeners who are like, well, what do you mean, wrestlers, you know, you know, they, it's not like the U.S. wrestlers where it's like, oh, here's an interview or a picture with this wrestler who's not wearing their mask at the moment or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like in classic luchador wrestling, like you did not go out without your mask on. Like, yeah. Kayfabe, which is trying to pretend that the work you do is still real and not say they don't get hurt, but like, real as in they actually hate each other like wrestlers mm-hmm. so yeah, just yeah. to just to like like solidify why this kind of thing would happen
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know cuz some people probably go into this or like i don't know shit about lucha libre
0: or wrestling so yeah right yeah no it was to take your mask off was supposed to be dishonorable yeah and also also having somebody else remove your mask was a huge sign of dishonor. Um, it was almost like being a samurai and having your cut, you know? Yeah. It was
1: kind of like a, reti- it was like, you might as well, your, your retirement is happening as soon as this mask comes off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But El Santo was, I mean, died a folk hero. He, he didn't publicly take his mask off until a week before he died on a talk show. Cause he knew he was about to die and he removed his mask. He said how, how thankful he was to his fans and all that. The we movie we're talking about today, movies, we're mainly focusing on one. At this point, Cassanto, he wasn't old, old whenever he died. I think he may have been like in his late sixties whenever he passed away. Yeah, yeah.
1: He wasn't like 90 or something like Yeah.
0: That. No, I but, think
1: he uh, died at the age of like 67 or something.
0: Yeah, something like that. Well, he's playing these movies though. These aren't really 70s. He died in the mid mid eighties, I think. He was already pushing 50 if not already in his 50s so i mean this isn't like he's he's already been this hero in mexico and known around mexico already he was putting on movies before that and there were a couple films that me and blaze wanted to talk about me and blaze are huge fans of one in particular called uh santo and the blue demon versus the monsters which is one of the best santo films and blue demon is another luchador but uh, they did a bunch of movies together where they kind of teamed up and fought different creatures and stuff like that. And that was really fun and very stylish, and it's considered one of the better Santo film. Sadly, I have the DVD, but since we're doing this show remotely still, we weren't able to watch it together. It's not any streaming services. So we kind of just went on Tubi and saw what all Santo films they had worth streaming. And at first we were going to do santo and blue demon versus dracula and the wolfman which um we felt was a little thin i didn't get yeah through the whole
1: oh, damn we, i was close man he died at 66 66
0: yeah i knew he was in his 60s cool well what does say? what year 1984 84 all right
1: yeah so this movie, not too long after this movie
0: yeah so he was already what 52 when this film came out
1: yeah Something here's like what's really blown my fucking mind. He had 11 kids.
0: yeah, well, I mean he's he's Catholic, I'm sure, and well, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I'm not, I'm not surprised by that, and it was also that, the that time. poor
1: lady. he was married to the same lady the entire time.
0: Oh he uh yeah, the, the thing about the Santo films is normally be like, hey, let's take this personality we're going to put him against. His movies were normally him fighting monsters. One movie's fighting Dracula. One movie he's fighting Doctor Frankenstein and his creatures. One movie's just fighting some aliens. So he had this comic book persona the kids were latching on and really into. To where you could probably consider the Santo film some of the earliest superhero films as well.
1: Yeah, you really anyway. could because.
0: Yeah, it'd be the equivalent now. It's like, you know, you yeah, have movie like Macho Man, Randy Savage versus The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Or...
1: Minus uh, the, I would... Maybe Roman Reigns. I wouldn't say Macho Man at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> or, or like uh, Hulk Hogan versus the black guy that uh, his daughter's dating. You know, like... Jesus. like <laughs> you know, movies like that. That'd be... <laughs> Uh, Right Uh, Come on, fuck Hulk Hogan Who gives a shit (laughs) Yeah, no, he does suck
1: No, he totally sucks
0: Uh, Fuck that bald Dancho could beat you up (laughs) Yeah, it's fine Nobody listens to this, I'm going to tell him But yeah, so It's it's the equivalent of just having this person But like I said, he was more than a wrestler To this culture But probably Held him at a seam higher than I think the only equivalent, but we are not holding him up for his persona more as The Rock, but it's because we just know it's Dwayne Johnson now. This is a person that held him up because of the character he played and right. stayed because of the character he played. It's not – it's Dwayne Johnson in the Fast and Furious movies or Dwayne Johnson in whatever fucking no, – this, this was in the, it was, the
1: title. It's yeah, The it Rock it was, versus was, Speedy yeah. Carboys.
0: It is <laughs> it is El Santo versus whatever. Um, so yeah, we, we try to watch him and Blue Demon fight the Fight Dracula and the Wolfman, and it was they, it's funny because that movie came out two years after the movie we're going to be talking about. Both of them start the same. All these movies kind of start with just a wrestling bout with El Santo and somebody. To introduce sound that goes t-
1: way longer than it needs to. Like, don't get me wrong, That's I'm right. never against watching some good wrestling, but it's just kind of a weird way to start a movie. Like, you would imagine like some highlight clips or something like that, and get and start the story. But it's like a straight up 10 minute wrestling patch.
0: It goes on and on and on, and it's funny because they both they definitely have the same <laughs> the same template for a bunch of these movies because they're coming out so close to each other. Right. Is that Santo be wrestling? Then he goes to a house that normally has a study, where there's a professor, and the professor is researching something and needs Santo's help because Santo, whenever he's not a wrestler, he's also an adventurer like Indiana Jones.
1: Oh yeah, like he, <laughs> and it's weird because they're never like, "Well, Santo, you have so much knowledge about this. They're like, you can protect us," and it's like, why don't you get
0: guards? Like. It's like, no,
1: we just need Santo.
0: Well, that's the thing. Okay. So, the movie we're going to be talking about, first of all, Dracula and the Wolfman, uh, all, all it is is a very confused looking wolfman and Dracula <laughs> palling around until eventually Santo and the Blue Demon beat him up. That's the film. And that's kind of what this movie is as well. But with the mummy. So, Santo in the vengeance of the mummy starts out wrestling match. Of course goes on 10 minutes. I think it's almost exactly 10 minutes long goes to a study. And for some reason, and there's a professor there and he's like, Hey, we're getting this expedition together because we found out where this ancient tomb is where this long lost mummy that is an Apache mummy.
1: They say Apache, but I thought it was Aztec. I don't know if they changed the track.
0: It's it's clearly supposed to be Aztec, but for some reason I don't know if it was the dub. I don't I don't know why the but they say Apache it's not
1: Apache. Like unless I maybe uh, you know I don't know enough about the yeah.
0: History I was thinking the same thing.
1: Correct it.
0: I, I was thinking the same thing. I didn't know if like maybe the Apache, like there was like some
1: transitional tribe came
0: up towards america afterwards i don't know enough about the history of yeah so i don't want to say anything about it
1: i could be totally fucking wrong
0: yeah but we'll just say that they knew what they were talking about but they're like hey there's there's this mummy tomb and we're going to go on an adventure to find it so it'd be me Lee professor man and this professor who is an old man in our comedy relief
1: Really bad comedy relief if they dub
0: that right. <laughs> he is the worst professor ever. And a cook. And a pretty lady. And another pretty lady. <laughs> One pretty lady is a secretary. Yeah. And the other lady is... Photographer. A photographer. And they're like, and also we need protection, so bring a santo with us.
1: <laughs> We're bringing the fucking El Santo which means
0: the the Sancho. <laughs> if I say I, the before L, <laughs> I always love that El Santo. First of all, whenever he's usually at these meetings or he's just lounging about, he has like a turtleneck and like <laughs> a turtleneck. Dude, I and think it's
1: nice. such a sick look. I love the classic. It is, no,
0: it is sick. He looks very stylish in it. But what I love more is when they go on this when they go on this expedition. <laughs> he has a jungle outfit. <laughs> Oh yeah, the, the no little safari shirt. outfit that he wears. <laughs> so this <Yeah>. is bad. <laughs> so like, yeah, we're we're gonna go, we're gonna find this mummy, and we're gonna excavate it and bring it back for research purposes, or what the fuck, I don't know. They're they're gonna do something with it. They're doing well, something they're,
1: with it. they're gonna be putting stuff in a museum because they haven't like this was like a famous mummy and they hadn't mm-hmm. seen it in a long time.
0: Yeah. So they're gonna go find it. And so they go to this place in Central America. I can't remember exactly where.
1: I don't uh, think they said exactly
0: where. <laughs> no, they say something in Central America, but they go there and they're they're they stop at a village, the villagers aren't happy that they're there. And then they're kind of fine with them being there. <laughs> and they find what they find a team of mercenaries to go with them. Yep. <clears throat> they're cowards. <laughs> Hired us protection. Cowards.
1: They all ran away. <laughs> Wait, where are these guys? They also ran away. Cowards. <laughs> like, like so many people run away in that movie.
0: they like, don't worry, Santo. We got a whole mercenary force because apparently you aren't going to cut it this time. <laughs> and just, Santos just, he just puts his head down in shame. It's like, oh... <laughs> But it's fine because he's able to win back their favor because he fist fights a panther. He sure does. An actual panther, also. <laughs> so they'll we'll go through the jungle. There's a blind panther up in a tree, and then it jumps down. and Santa's like, Don't worry, I'm going to fuck this panther up. <laughs> and he starts fighting it. And it's not a stuffed animal, it's an actual panther. It no, looks like a baby. It looks, huh? like a, like, it looks like a baby, though, that, that he's wrestling with.
1: Well, I don't, I don't know, and it's you know obviously it had to be trained or something, but
0: yeah, because he's throwing it around. He, at one point he literally throws his fucking panther, and uh. then it runs off. And I'm like, holy shit! Do they have insurance on Santo?
1: You bet your ass they do. That insurance is Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> the entire country backs that man.
0: <laughs> so many pesos. So they so they set up camp. And they're having wacky, wacky jokes. There's so many wacky characters in this movie. There's the wacky professor who is a senile old man that can't see anything. And he has a bunch of one-liners. And there's the wacky cook that disappears after a while. I don't, I don't even know where he goes. Or do you get killed? I don't fucking know. And there's some other characters. There's a lot of characters in this. None, none of them have any distinct personality at all. Well, what does have a distinct personality is the dubbing in the film which is atrocious.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is some of the worst shit I've ever seen. That is like and you watch the Santos versus the monster, Santos and Blue Demon versus the monsters. You know, your your version we just had to read the subtitles which I I prefer. I way prefer hearing them in their native tongue.
0: Yeah, that's with like, every every foreign film. Yeah, For- like
1: to hear these fucking god awful dubs almost ruins the movie by itself.
0: Yeah, and also this movie's fucking boring. (laughs) I'll say it. This movie fucking man. This movie's boring. Oh my god. This movie's so fucking slow. It's about it's about padded, but they set up camp. They're all wacky, and they go to they immediately find the tomb <laughs> where this mummy is, like no problem at all. And they have a villager help guide them. He's an old man and he has a grandson. And and our team of, of explorers and this old man and his grandson and the team of mercenaries, they all go into the tomb. And this old grandfather is like, you aren't supposed to be here. <laughs> you are <laughs> Because they gave him for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> no idea why they <laughs> did that. Did that ridiculous southern accent and he calls the lead professor a gringo well he doesn't call him gringo he calls him white man he keeps on calling him a white man whoever's cl- so clear not only even that, that he is a hispanic actor but whoever's dubbing him also clearly has a spanish accent as well so <laughs> we calling him a white guy I'm hey like,
1: there whitey <laughs> yeah
0: i'm like is he it's like this guy's called Mahonky and also the guy, the the grandfather with this with this deep Southern accent, is a very very old, clearly Mexican man.
1: Yeah, so to hear him speaking like,
0: sounds like fucking. Hey there, Mister. <laughs>
1: like you're like, wait, what? Like uh, honestly, I think the absolute worst dubbing in the movie has to be the professor, though. Like. The old man, the old one. Yes, yes. yes. That is just <laughs> like he. Okay, I'm tired now. You gotta take me to bed. <laughs> right now? <laughs> <laughs> right now?
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so they were like, they're like, hey, you old man, not not the professor, but the the grandfather. Like, read this map for us because you know how to read this ancient language. He's like. All right, I sure will. And then he has this long narration, this ridiculously long narration that's all expository dialogue. But it's explaining the worst, what the mummy was there for. The worst voice actor you can have tell the story.
1: It, <laughs> it was, was like, him, and his lover was about to be sacrificed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it sounds like something out of a Coen Brothers film. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's this mummy... The mummy was this. Was he a priest?
1: Uh, he was a prince.
0: He's a prince. And there's this woman who is a young woman who is supposed to be sacrificed to whatever god. And there's a virginal, huh?
1: Quetzalcoatl.
0: Yeah, sure. It's probably Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> it's probably Q. Um, <laughs> I'd rather watch Q. But she's a virgin and she has to go through. Not only a sacrifice, but rape. <laughs> During the sacrifice they mention, uh, but little does the high priest and everybody else know. But her and the prince love each other, so they run off together, and they're very quickly found. <laughs> they're very quickly caught because well, she.
1: Because she goes, I'm
0: tired. But since she immediately really gets tired, this is
1: it. We're dead. <laughs> like he's like, you know what? That's fine. <laughs> like. I, I'm actually quite tired myself. Let's get stabbed to death.
0: She stops because she's tired while they're running away. And so they put a blanket down and try to start having sex, but they immediately get out.
1: Yeah, he does. He's just like, well, let me put it in you before we go out. Like we just gotta uh, we just gotta keep this for another minute or two.
0: Which I'm guessing in my head his reasoning. Would make sense if they explain more of that. He's like, I'm going to take your virginity. That way, they can't sacrifice you because we. That's alone. not
1: what happened, though.
0: But it's not. But if they, if they, but but if that old man was like, and so then they made Whoopi. <laughs> so that she. Oh, he sounds like he sounds like Goofy. That's what he sounds like. He sounds like Goofy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, who does he sound like? Yeah, if he would have said that, then I'd been like, okay, that makes sense. But yeah, they don't do that now, do they? <laughs> nope. So the, the, his punishment was that he was mummified. Well, he was put
1: in a tomb where he couldn't ever leave.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's he's not even buried alive. He's just kind of sitting there, <laughs> writing yeah, stuff, and to death, and kind of hanging out. And because of that, he gets mummified somehow.
1: Yeah, natural mummification somehow. Like, not saying it doesn't it happen. Because it does, but not in that climate, I would think. Like, yeah, no. Like, in a, a frozen climate? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Like, sure. That could yeah. happen. But this, like, it's in Central America? Doubt it. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. So they're like, wow, that all sucks. Anyways, let's take this mummy and bring it back to research. And they don't they just leave the mummy in the tomb? There, They're like, oh, we're going to yeah. get... A good night's sleep, and we'll come back and get the mummy. But guess what? The mummy starts stalking the premises and starts killing people. Uh Uh-oh. It starts with the old man and his grandson. It shows up up at their hut while they're praying, and he just starts wobbling the wall (laughs) because it's a hut. And it's very flimsy. He's just like, oh, fuck this. And he's shaking it back and forth.
1: Yeah, he does. It's like, man, you could really get through that.
0: <laughs> and uh, he breaks in, he kills the grandfather, and now we're stuck with He's just like, oh, grandpa.
1: sweet Jezebel! <laughs> he
0: gets he gets strangled to death, and we're stuck with the child who has the worst bowl cut.
1: <laughs> and the worst, also a really terrible voice actor.
0: Really. It's like he killed
1: my grandpa. <laughs> yeah, it was the mummy, Santo it was the mummy who killed my grandpa. All right, you can cry now, but after you cry after this, you can never cry again. Because you're a man.
0: It (laughs) is the worst pep talk where this kid is scary. It's like, men don't cry, but now that you cry, you are now a man. It's like, is this supposed to mean? I don't know if it got lost in translation, what he was trying to say.
1: Well, what a kid! It was like he's <laughs> just sitting there. The kid's crying. Like, ah, he's like, "Oh, what is wrong?" our or P- our or what's it, what is his name?
0: Uh, the the child.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. cut. Him, uh,
1: Bobby balls.
0: Yeah, so
1: Bobby balls was, Bobby was still, sitting there crying. It's, it just goes, "What? What is wrong?" And it's like man, this is one day the kid's grandpa died. Like, I mean, the guy who's taking care of him his whole life, is like, I, I feel, I am sad that I, my grandpa, and I miss him, and I feel sick. <laughs> like, and it's like, oh, all right, well. <laughs> the thing that got me is, he's like, you see, unfortunately, things happen in life that make you a man before some people are ready to be men. And then there are some people in their 90s who still act like a child. (laughs) But now that you have gone through this and you have no more family, I will protect you. But you are a man now. (laughs) (laughs) And you could cry all you want right now. But after this, you can no longer cry because you are a man.
0: (laughs) If I hear you cry, I will body slam you.
1: (laughs) I will and run your ass off the face of the earth.
0: <laughs> I'll destroy you. Seriously. But, yeah, they, so Santa's like, oh, no. So this mummy's running around. And they just meander about. That not, Nobody seems very concerned that this mummy's going to run killing people. Nope. And the mummy just kind of stalks around here and there, killing different people. Um, he's an archer. Yes, so the
1: he, mummy is an archer.
0: So, he normally just shoots people with a bow and arrow. At some point, also, this happens in Dracula the Wolfman as well, but Santo has a scene where he just beats up a whole bunch of guys. <laughs> so, so, Dracula the Wolfman is a segment where Blue Demon and Santo get held up by a bunch of gangsters and then they decide to wrestle all of them. And this one, the mercenaries decide to leave. Is that what happens? Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna go." He's like, "Not if I just beat the fuck out of all of you." And they're like, "Come on!" He's like, "No, seriously." (laughs) He just starts beating them all up.
1: (laughs) He does. uh, It's it's just really funny. Like, (laughs) it's like they ran away, cowards. It was like. (laughs) Is it is that the case or did this movie run out of the budget? Like
0: <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. It's a long fight sequence and then uh eventually they're all defeated or run off. And Santa's like, hey, it's fine, we can take care of it. And also Santo's packing heat. This <laughs> at some point Santa decides to stop wrestling, just carry a fucking rifle with him. Yep. He doesn't use it at all though. <laughs> no. He doesn't need to be Santo. Um okay. So, yeah, this killer's going to rise, stalking around, killing different people. And everybody's getting picked off one by one. Uh, The lead professor, though clearly not white, white man, (laughs) gets killed.
1: Yeah, after saying that, it wasn't true.
0: Yeah, and the old man, our comedy relief, he gets shot with an arrow, and he's fucking dead or something.
1: Man, I love your enthusiasm for telling about this movie.
0: It's so flat. It's so flat. At this point, I was just kind of halfway paying attention. <laughs>
1: That's fair. I mean, there's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of Santo.
0: Is there there's a lot of him just like wandering around?
1: Yeah, he and- doesn't have as many lines as everyone else. But it's just like, well, I mean, he has that soliloquy for, you
0: know. He has the ultimate pep talk to a child where it's like, hey, you aren't allowed to cry anymore unless you want to cry. But if you do cry, you're not a man. But you're not a man, you're a child. But you better not cry.
1: I just imagine him at his wife's funeral. He's just like, nope. <laughs> <Mm-mm>.
0: <laughs> to all 11 I, of them. I kids. miss
1: you, but I'm a man. <laughs>
0: And to all 11 of his children, it's like, you don't cry either. None of you. (laughs) None of you cry.
1: You're all men. (laughs) It's like, but your daughter. (laughs) Not in my house, you are. (laughs) uh, Or
0: by me, I will slap you.
1: (laughs) How about this? I'll give you a speed run finish of this movie since we're already at our time anyway. (laughs) Okay. Santos. Uh Rosa and uh Bobby Bowles Also are... Rosa
0: because Santo always has to have a love interest. Yeah. And at least this time, Santo's love interest is like, looks kind of age appropriate. She looks like, a little bit older. Yeah. Because there's a lot of these movies, especially on like Dracula and the Wolfman, where his love interest is like half his age. Yeah.
1: No, no. This is the uh... Yeah, she and uh, yeah, I mean she's pretty and everything like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, she looks age appropriate. She looks. Yeah, she she
1: doesn't look like. I think I need to call the police on Santo. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But um, yeah, so Susanna gets shot in the back with an arrow. Rosa, Bobby, Bowles, and Santo go chasing after the mummy, who's running away into the crypt. And then there is a fast-forwarded fight scene for about eight minutes, um, and a, it's a pretty ridiculous fight scene. And
0: um, it's just a lot of it's a lot of choking and bad edits because the mummy's fighting with a spear, and there's different times where he has the spear and you know Santa's holding it back. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah. And uh he's holding it back. And uh you'll see it go real close him then it'll cut and edit, and he's just cut. it's like in a completely different place. Or <laughs> have like a torch and he's attacking Santo with it and he's holding the torch and then it cuts him it's in a completely And it also
1: made like that whole fight scene really got me because I'm like, whenever he's on top of Santo, mm-hmm. why doesn't she shoot him?
0: Yeah, because because there's two rules in this world. A, you, you don't cry if you're a man, and B, if Santo is saved by a woman, by God, <laughs> <laughs> the, it would end. <laughs> we can't have that. We can't have a woman being anything but a victim <laughs> in this uh, film. That has to be the way in all the Santo films. No woman can take any, you know, charge in any way. No, <laughs> Santo has to save because as a old-school bullshit chivalry about it with everything. Yeah. So Her and the child having to sit there going, oh, oh. Yeah, that's, that's a dub. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. oh.
1: <laughs> so, eventually Santos wins this
0: historic
1: fight with a mummy. To so, multiple, reveal- times,
0: multiple times, by the way, I was very worried they were going to light themselves on fire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they keep on just stepping over. I'm just like, oh, my God, they're going to, like, light on fire. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Sorry. Alright. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh turns out it was a mask. And Santos was right. Mummies don't come back to life. He told you. He told you at the beginning. See? Didn't he tell you?
0: <laughs> Mummies just, don't come
1: back to life.
0: Which is even funnier because by now in Santos' career... I'll, see, it's the thing. I don't know if it's supposed to be the same Santo if all these are canon with each other. But if they are... He's already fought like a shitload of monsters that were actual monsters in all of his movies. Yeah,
1: I don't think they're canon. Like, they don't play into each other at all. <laughs>
0: it's just a different Santo each time. It's yeah. like, it's like you know, Groundhog Day, but just a different situation where he just forgets what happened before. Just like... <laughs> just like well, new day, new babe. <laughs> <laughs> Half my age this is awesome. Not crying ever.
1: And then after he rips off the mask, Scooby-Doo style, it's Sergio, one of the people that they thought uh, was attacked by the mummy. But he actually planned all this and killed him and hid the real mummy's body. And he already had like a whole getaway plan. And they (laughs) found that getaway plan and now they can get out of the jungle with the artifacts and the real mummy. And then we get 12 more minutes of wrestling.
0: (laughs) But, but why does why does Sergio want the want the mummy?
1: Why does he want the mummy? Yeah. I forgot what he said.
0: Did they say any reason? Well he can't say anything because he's fucking dead.
1: I thought he wanted like the plans and like the artifacts, so he hid the mummy to pretend he was the mummy.
0: The best thing about where the mummy is hidden is just out in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> It's just literally standing there.
1: Like just like how much they're like fine with touching like the mummy. They're like, see, he's dead. And he's like honk honk honk. Like yeah.
0: <laughs> the, the biggest surprise is how they saw the what they thought was the mummy. And at no point were like, that's a shitty mask. <laughs> <laughs> Not once. Not once. Like you can literally see the strap and everything. Like I give a credit for at least trying to have a twist where they do Scooby-Do It where it's like it's not actually a mummy, it's just a regular guy, Sergio. It, it literally is scooby doo <laughs> See,
1: mummies aren't real. He told you. Yeah. He told you at the beginning. They don't come back to life. Yeah. He doesn't believe in resurrection.
0: <laughs> Who does? Yeah, it's it's Santo. <laughs> we should have done, we should have
1: done <laughs> <laughs> Well, there we go. There you have it, folks.
0: <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> Listen, there are good Santo films. There are ones that I would have rather done. Of course, Santo and Blue Demon versus the Monsters. If you guys get a chance to watch that, watch that one because it's probably the best Santo film. But if not that one, then uh, I heard The Mummy's of Guanajuato is very good. Okay. But it wasn't on any streaming services. So, I don't know. Would you recommend it?
1: I would. I think it's fine. Like...
0: <laughs> I wouldn't. It's so fucking boring. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that brings us to our next segment. All right. All right. That brings us to another curation of Blaze's Cabin of Video Game Curiosities. All right. So, what video game do we have? And does it have to do with the goblin?
1: No, it is not. No, I'm saying <laughs> that. Oops. That's a special one. Baited that's, you. <laughs> that's Baited gonna come for a special day.
0: <laughs> All right. So, not the goblin one this time. No. Maybe in the future, I'll share a, a the goblin. One. A goblin one that needed on our on our scale on our score. Of uh, one to 10 pages, page being your fiance and how much you need to call her because you're too scared. That goblin game you will eventually talk about is a 10 out of 10. Yes. Scariest it's game so ever.
1: Fucking scary.
0: But in the meantime, we're going to talk about this other game.
1: Yep. And lucky, lucky you, it's a freebie. And not only a freebie, an overwhelmingly positive reviewed freebie. Okay. And there's good reason. Um, so this is a game called The Complex Found Footage. Your favorite. But what it is, is it is a backroom simulator. Okay. Do you know what the backrooms is? No. Oh, okay. So... The audience probably knows because we're all creepy pasta losers. Rocky's too cool for that shit. So the back rooms is this like I it's like a they call it like a glitch in reality. It's where you just maybe see a door where a door is not supposed to be, or something like that, or you just glitch through a wall or something, and then you end up in this place that's called the back rooms.
0: So it's the matrix.
1: No, it is uh, uh, a place with plain beige carpet, uh, yellow and white wallpaper, and dim fluorescent lights, and random upon random amounts of rooms.
0: So it's Twin Peaks?
1: No. (laughs) Uh, It's like, it's hard to put. Like, the story is pretty much like something to, uh, like, What is the name of that phobia where it's like fear of liminal spaces?
0: Claustrophobia?
1: No, opposite. The Matrix? No. (laughs) Like big open spaces with repeating things.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you meant small spaces. Um, No, 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 no. uh, I'm not sure.
1: So it's pretty much a game where you get put into this world. And they only say that there's something in the back rooms, and the the they they don't really know what it is or they haven't really described what it is. It's just there are things in there, and you mm-hmm. know they're there, but if they if you see them, it's over and okay. this game is just kind of like a huge exploration like and honestly, like audio is something that stood out to me like right away because. It's filmed on what would be a VHS camera in the way they're doing it. But it, I mean, it has the sound of like, when you run, it sounds like the wind going through a microphone on a camera. Like it sounds like somebody walking on carpet or tile. It sounds like when you even brush against walls and stuff like that, the breathing, everything, like it's really like a a pretty immersive thing. And the thing I do like about this game is that there's no jump scares in it. Like, it's literally exploration, and then occasionally you will see something in the corner of your eye. So it really just kind of goes into the lore of the back rooms, and has a couple of, you know, it it gives you that feeling of creepiness or being trapped.
0: Yeah. Very atmospheric sounds.
1: Yeah. If you get a chance, go on Creepy Pasta, man. They have tons of great stories about the
0: background. I've read some. I mean, I've read some Creepy Pasta. I just never got on the Creepy Pasta train.
1: Yeah, is that. Well, I mean, there's a lot of garbage on there. Except who was phone? That is gold. Who was? What, phone?
0: What's that one story? What's that one story with the uh, the house and the, the It has like the moth room and all that.
1: Oh, um, they just did an episode or a season of. Uh, channel zero about it. Um did they
0: actually fucking end it on like the story? Yeah. Okay. Cause that's one thing I'm like, oh it's really creepy. Then it just it just stops.
1: Uh, I can't remember the name. That's one of the most famous. doors, I think, or something like that. Yeah. It's something like that.
0: Well but, cool. Uh, yeah,
1: it's definitely it's free. It looks great. It sounds great. It's creepy.
0: So on a on a scale of on a scale of one to ten pages being how much you need to call Paige because you were scared, what would you rate Enter the Matrix?
1: What would I rate Enter the Matrix?
0: Yeah. Which one is that? <laughs> this one. Is that what this is? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> then what would you rate this game?
1: <laughs> I, honestly, there were a few points where I was like, I don't think I'm going to need to call
0: Paige here. <laughs> Well, it seems like it's, it's atmospherically creepy. like you know.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the whole point. And, you know, I was reading through the reviews and to have a game with overwhelmingly positive reviews where people are like, yeah, nothing really happens. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's pretty incredible how you pulled that off. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Actually, before I fucking forget, I have the developer and publisher. One second. Alright. Because I don't want to leave them out. It is... Uh, Sorel it's I-S-A-R-L developed and published by so I'm guessing that's a Steam user or something uh, but it came out in uh, August of this year and it is free and it is very creepy and it looks great and it's only about a gig of data so I say try it yeah.
0: out yeah it's so creepy it might as well be pasta That's true. Slurp it up, boys. (laughs) (laughs) That brings us to our next segment: then another entry into mythology biology. All right. So, do we have a story of Mexican origin? We sure do.
1: Aztec origin.
0: Is it La Llorona? Yeah.
1: All right. no. Is it the
0: movie Coco?
1: No, it's Santos versus
0: La Llorona. <laughs> Good.
1: Uh, which is on Tubi. I have not watched it.
0: Should <laughs> we should have done that? Yeah. What if What if at the end of of Santos versus La Llorona, it's just it's just Sergio in a mask again? <laughs> <laughs> Just every movie is just Sergio in a mask. He's like, see? Look, it's Sergio. Again. He's the old man withers of the of the uh, Santo universe.
1: Yes. <laughs> All right. Now I'm probably going to butcher the name here. Um, it is called the Ohusital. Okay. And it is... Um, so, apparently that that translates to spiny aquatic thing. <laughs> or water dog. Okay. So, uh, it is an Aztec uh, creature, and the name actually came from a ruler of the same name who was said to have uh, taken the, the creature as a mascot of sorts. Um, and he also believed that the creature was friends with the rain gods, so... Um, they said it has, like, dexterous hands, like a raccoon or monkey, as well as a prehensile uh, tail. They have, mar- uh, uh, it's really detailed, actually, waterproof, marble, black, and gray fur, and small pointed ears. Um, so the thing about this creature is, is that it has uh, what appears to be a human hand at the end of its tail. Okay. So what it would do is that it would scare the Aztec fishermen or people swimming in the area. Well, I guess people really wouldn't swim in that area, but um, they would have the human hand sticking out from the water looking as though somebody were drowning or looking as though, you know, somebody were dead and people would go out to find it and it would grab them, pull them down. And it is said to eat... Uh, most of their bodies, but preferred eating nails and teeth. Okay. So it is uh, also, uh, and this is actually, you, you'll you recognize this name, the conquistador Hernan Cortez. Colorado, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. the magnificent... Um, <laughs> He actually reported to the king of Castile that one of his men had been killed by an Azote or an Azotel. Um, and uh, they actually had a revolutionary group named uh named the son of Azote. So, Yes. There's not, like, too many, like, direct stories about the creature, but it's, like, all over the place. Like, you can find him in tons of Aztec ruins. You can find him in a lot of, you know, different, like, as a small character in certain stories. Uh, And they have a show uh, about it uh, that references them as well. Um, But it's kind of strange how a lot of the stuff comes from... uh, you know, like, actual conquistadors and stuff like that saying that, oh, this killed him. Like, this is something that killed him. And it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, but
0: they, did they ever try to unmask one and just see it's just a regular person?
1: Well, you see, Azatul not only means water dog, but it also translates to Sergio. So, <laughs> I, I don't like- know <laughs> if they thought far enough. <laughs> They are real. It's just a person. I told you. Don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So cool. Yeah.
0: I. Uh, do you know? Did you do enough research on it to know this? But did you look up to see if it's? Because I know that there's some things like that. Definitely in certain cultures, like Mexico and stuff like that, that they still believe are actual like cryptids, like chupacabras. Um, yeah, chupacabras like. Still a thing that a lot of people actually believe is, like, a real thing. But did you see if, like, this was a thing that people still, like, some people believe is still out there?
1: You know, now I'm curious. It's not like, I let mean, uh, let's find out.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, I remember even, like, uh, our friend Gabe was saying how, like, a lot of people, like, even, like, Puerto Rico. Like, his mom was still, like, no, Chupacabra is, like, an actual thing. She <laughs> even, like, believed it was, like, no, it's real. <laughs> So well, I mean, you know,
1: they, 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 you know that, that's one thing. Uh, cryptids and aliens are things I, I could get behind more than ghosts, to be honest. Because it's like, you know, when you think about the ocean and stuff like that, and how much of it we've never seen, and how many creatures we probably haven't recorded, I could see there's some truth to some of the stories, possibly. Yeah, I agree. You know?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. let's see. No, and especially at the rate we're making just regular animals go extinct. (laughs) They're basically cryptids now. (laughs) So (laughs) for like generations like later on, I mean, those will be cryptids of people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's see.
1: Well, uh they have an appearance in My Little Pony Friendship is magic.
0: <laughs> How about that? <laughs> okay. Well, that solves it. That means they still believe in it. So
1: let's see. The thorny one of the water. <laughs> you know, that's the crazy thing. Like that emperor was not as old. Like, it wasn't from as far back as you think. It was 1486 to 1502 hmm. that this emperor was around saying that he had this animal as a mascot.
0: Hmm.
1: So, like, medieval. Yeah. Let's see.
0: Little did we know it was just a really fucked up dog. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. I mean, you know. Try probably a logical explanation for it. Yeah. It says some people still look for them. Yeah.
1: But I don't see like it's not obviously it's not as popular as the chupacabra because everyone's like oh new TV show about finding chupacabras yeah. like
0: Yeah, that's 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 like very, very eat popular. Goats. <laughs> yeah. Who gives I'm a, a goat? Who not a goat? <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that is another episode of Bladed Apples. Yes, it is. Next week we'll be talking about a thing. <laughs> we really have some thing. <laughs> We're I be have an weird. idea. Do you? Yeah. What is it? Snow beast. Snow beast. We'll be talking about snow beast next episode.
1: Yeah, we gotta get in that winter mood
0: because blaze be
1: what even i was like getting that winter mood even though i'm about to be hit by a muggy ass hurricane
0: yeah, yeah that's great hurricane about to hit florida <laughs> you know it's been a couple years since since a hurricane has hit florida and getting two back-to-back like this is just par for the course <laughs> it's Florida yeah, morning but- um But yeah, we can do we can do Snow Beast, and you brought it up last night when we were on the phone. I was surprised you didn't want to do Joshua. (laughs) (laughs) Joshua. (laughs) Oh, that one's too scary to be honest. (laughs) What's it called, Joshua and the what?
1: Uh, Joshua and Paradise Island, or something. Oh,
0: Joshua and the Paradise. Yeah, Joshua and the Paradise, which is a Christian animated film that is. disturbing like it's, it's disturbing. it is piss poor Kevin Sorbo will probably approve so that just show you shouldn't watch it <laughs> uh, yeah so we'll do Snow Beast next episode but in Gee. the meantime if you want to reach us you can on the email bladedapplespod at gmail.com or on the Instagram page if you got comments questions concerns requests whatever you want we'll read it eventually who knows uh, thanks to Blaze for doing the sound of being a great a great co-host and thanks to Stephan Mize for doing our art. Check him out on Instagram, Stephan Mize or Croc Panther Tattoo. Awesome guy. And, Anything uh, else?
1: Yeah. Rocky. Yeah. Man now. You do, do not cry anymore. <laughs> Don't cry.
0: Uh, I'm not going to until I log off of here, and then I'll cry (laughs) in the corner over there.
1: (laughs) Rocky, mummies aren't real. I don't believe in resurrection. Look at this Aztec temple we're on right now. (laughs) (laughs) We're here. We're just waiting for Santo.
0: You know, the funny thing is that, you know, for for Diaz de los Muertos, I always watch Coco.
1: Oh, that's a terrible idea. Speaking <laughs> of crying. <laughs> Speaking of crying.
0: Because yeah. I, cry, I cry every time I watch that movie. Always. And it seems the more I watch it, the, the harder I cry. The more I cry over the movie. There's more spots I cry during that film than I did the first time I watched it. So eventually I'll just cry for an hour and a half next time. But the, Santo is in that movie. Oh, yeah. He is, isn't he? yeah, you yeah, it's, it's like talk a about, little
1: playoff to him there right yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: there's a part whenever he there's like a tram or something that's going to this party in the film, and Santo is one of the celebrities that are getting onto the tram. It's like, oh, Santo, can I take a picture with you? And he just nods and stuff like that, but there is a cartoon version of Santo in Coco.
1: so I did not notice that before, yeah, yeah, oh. so that's
0: fun. A lot with Frida. Frida is the character in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little Mexican culture nods in there, which is fun. But we should just talk about Coco because I love that movie.
1: (laughs) Not quite what our bag is. But I was thinking maybe we should do, like, coming in the near future, we'll do, like, maybe once a month we'll have an action-packed episode where we talk about some of our favorite horrible action movies. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we, should, we can start doing that that's fine <laughs> I feel, I feel like we, we used to do that more we talked about some horror tinged action films like nightmare at noon and yeah i mean but i'm saying like
1: white fire <laughs> oh
0: boy yeah you just watched white fire for the first time which is the story of a man who's they're gonna go steal him and his sister are going to steal the jewel but is is Sister gets killed, so he finds a woman that looks like his sister and makes her get plastic surgery, look like his sister, and then he fucks her. So,
1: Yeah, it's not weird at all. And it's not like, oh, man, it kind of sucks you look like my sister. It's like, no, we're going to have a flashback every time you're having sick sex to you and your sister.
0: (laughs) And and Fred Williamson is in it.
1: Fred Williamson is in it. (laughs) Uh, Uh,
0: Yeah. Cool. So All right.
1: that, see you later,
0: fuckers. Yes, and remember every day is Halloween, so please act accordingly, and we'll see you next time.
1: All right.
0: Bye.